Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2015. This is Sam talking about Step 1. Hi everyone, my name's Sam, I'm an alcoholic. Um, so my first exposure to Step 1 and um, Alcoholics Anonymous came on my 20th birthday, or actually just shortly after, um, when I was, I don't know, four or five days into a hospitalisation for drug-induced psychosis. Um, I had discovered alcohol as a young teenager and found it um, entirely to my liking. I actually can see how... um, my alcohol use became my priority pretty much from the first time I drank. You know, a few things happened to me around the age of 13 and I went from kind of striving for um, achievement and validation and everything like that to, um, you know, looking to take the edge off and have fun. And um, I didn't drink um, alcoholically to begin with and... um, But what did happen for me was I sometimes drank more than I wanted to and I often found myself uh, in situations where there was violence um, or I would do shameful things uh, as a teenager. And, um, you know, I I remember thinking that this um, drinking was entirely unpredictable. Um, I didn't black out, so I'd remember things. Um, I could hold my alcohol to begin with. Um, And I did have friends who would black out and vomit. I always had two or three friends with me who were just constant vomiters. And because that wasn't my experience, I felt quite kind of solid. Um, But at the end of my schooling, really my number one priority was drinking uh, and girls and... Um, drugs came into it and um, what happened for me was the unpredictability of my drinking um, got dealt with by me switching you know I, I switched to substances that were entirely more predictable and I mean it's a very much part of my step one experience the fact that the phenomenon of craving for me was always the craving to feel good forever you know I, um, I would start feeling good And I would want the night to never end. Never, ever end. And the disappointment um, when the drugs ran out or the alcohol ran out or the people went home was just this profound kind of sense of loss. You know, the the calling people to try and find people to keep going with. And, um, you know, that was was very much a feature of my social life. Um, But the drugs actually did a lot of damage to me really quickly. So I was introduced to AA... um, in the Melbourne Clinic in 1991. And um, what happened for me is that I heard... I was kind of manic, so it was hard to kind of hear too much. Um, I very much wanted to talk. But the... um, I heard about being powerless over alcohol, and I said, well, that's not my problem. It's clearly these other things that I'm taking that are the problem. And one of the huge... um, Parts of my story which has helped me connect to unmanageability and um, and my own powerlessness in general was the period that came from being discharged from that hospital to my eventual 
uh, admission to a rehabilitation centre in 2007. And um, I was entirely frightened of my own will. I'd left home, um, I'd moved out of home, and within, I don't know, 18 months, I'd destroyed my sanity. Um, it was a frightening, overwhelming experience to lose control. And so I desperately looked for something uh, to manage my life. And the best kind of life manager was an older woman. And um, I got married to a, a woman who kind of mothered me through the next, um, you know, significant period of my life. Uh, I drank. Um, I drank under her watch. Um, I often wanted to drink more, but I couldn't argue that I had a right to write myself off in the presence of her and our family structure. I just, I just knew that intuitively her moral position was way better than mine. And, um, and what's more, after a period of time, I started kind of getting the stuff that made sense to me as being a manageable life. You know, I went to work on time, I started getting promotions, I got houses, we had children. Um, but when I look back on this period, there are a couple of things that really, really remind me of my true step one and how much this thing is inside me. And um, one was every New Year's Eve. You know, we had two beautiful little boys. We had a house in Clifton Hill. I had a holiday house in Port Ferry. I had a BMW. Um, I went overseas quite regularly. And uh, I had stock options, you know. It was... Um, and um, my brother um, had bought pubs. And my brother um, has not yet come to the realisation that he might be one of us. But um, uh, he lived a life of complete debauchery. And so every New Year's Eve, uh, I would say to my wife, what are we doing? And I kind of knew the answer would be, we're going to walk to the hill in Clifton Hill, we're going to climb up the top, and we're going to watch the children's fireworks, then we'll go home and, you know, maybe we'll stay up, maybe we'll put the kids to bed. And the ache inside me, knowing that everyone was out there getting on it, and that I could not find a legitimate reason to be away from my children... And away from her, um, like it was an existential pain that I'll remember forever, you know. And, and, it, and it, it happened every New Year's Eve. It often happened when there were parties. It definitely happened when my brother would have an opening night for some nightclub. And what, of course, happened for me was um, eventually I thought, I've got this. I've got this life thing. I'm successful. Uh, I'm not really sure why this woman keeps telling me what to do. Things, you know, and um, and I took my will back. You know, I said I think I deserve a drink. And um, while travelling in America, I had a good drink. Uh, I took some drugs. I kissed one of my work colleagues. I started an affair, and within two years, uh, I was using and drinking. Um, to a degree which could only be described as suicidal. Um, you know, my craving became such that every time I had more than two drinks, I would call a drug dealer um, because I was, you know, the neural pathways, whatever happened for me was that my drinking triggered a phenomenon of craving that made me want to feel like that and go like that long. And um, 
I would say to myself over and over again, this has got to stop. You know, the, um, the damage that I was doing to my body, the shame that I was causing, uh, the fact that I was prepared to walk away from my family, um, the fact that I was prepared to lose my career, um, all seemed to come down from the fact that every time uh, I went out to have a drink, um, I didn't know which city I'd end up in and how much money I would spend and it seemed uh, entirely likely that I would die. Um, I went to rehab and I was introduced again um, and I surrendered. I surrendered entirely. I was, um, I was so relieved to hear the phrase, uh, you're not um, bad, you're sick. Um, and for me, that's a huge part of step one, this notion that um, my powerlessness and unmanageability is um, symptomatic of a, um, an illness, you know, a mental illness. You know, it explains so much of my life. It explained what happened when I kind of moved away from my parents and kind of ended up in a psych hospital. It explained while I was miserable trying to get life without being able to take the edge off enough, you know, and um, without kind of feeling some sense. I was restless, irritable and discontent all the time. And, um, you know, and it definitely explained the end stage of, uh, you know, my active alcoholism, which brought me into a 12-step a based rehab. Um, you know, I, um, I've had... Um, you know, I've had seven years since then of being around um, AA and, um, you know, one of my, um, my personal truths is that, um, you know, that I've done all sorts of uh, damage to my, um, you know, my neural part. Whatever I've done means that I have to be really, really careful of... Uh, any mind or mood altering substance um, you know I have had experiences of um, a, a, a lot of my um, recovery has been dealing with a consequence of my last kind of active addiction where I did some really crazy stuff and ended up wrecking my back so um, you know unfortunately not everything can be repaired you know people lose legs people lose eyes uh, I've lost um, a lot of function and I have uh, chronic pain. So I've had chronic pain for a, long, a lot of my, um, my recovery. And in the pursuit of answers for that, I've had a couple of surgeries. And I have experience of being, uh, you know, given um, by doctors uh, opiates for post-surgical recovery and ending up in a hotel in Adelaide swigging wine, you know, four days later. In fact, I was in Adelaide ten days after a spinal fusion with a girl who I hadn't ever met, um, you know, drinking and drugging. And, um, you know, so one thing I've become really, really clear of is that, um, you know, modern alcoholism and my experience of step one has been that, uh, you know, it all started for me with alcohol and it all ends with me 
with alcohol. But when I drink, all sorts of things happen. The phenomenon of craving takes me on paths that don't always end up looking like a single substance symptom. You know, and I've found as I've travelled around the world and gone to AA meetings um, that this is increasingly the experience of alcoholics. You know, that the, that the phenomenon of craving when it comes to that feeling that alcohol produces um, can lead people in all sorts of directions. I continue drinking and then I continue looking for all sorts of things to continue the experience. And when I stop, um, I'm left with this horrible uncomfortability that means that I just can't function no matter how successful my life gets. Nothing is ever enough and I never feel connected or... Um, and I'm, you know, I, I was listening to what you were saying. Um, you know, but my personal experience is um, that untreated, uh, my state of mind is such that uh, I need relief eventually. You know, it might be five years, it might be three months, but untreated, um, I need something other than what I can get from any kind of human intervention um, to actually take away the pain of being. And, um, you know, for me, that's the unmanageability that comes from being without a drink. And it's also the unmanageability that comes from a life-driven, uh, inactive addiction of alcohol. Um, I look, I really thank you guys for putting this on and um, thanks for listening. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.